0: We want to read at verse 24. And when they had crucified him, they parted his garments, casting lots upon them what every man should take. And it was the third hour, and they crucified him. And the superscription of his accusation was written over the king of the Jews. And with him they crucify two thieves, the one on his right hand and the other on his left. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, and he was numbered with the transgressors. Let's uh, look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we pray that you would, as only you can, take us into some measure of the depths of these words, the depth of our sinfulness and the depth of your love for us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. This morning we want to come back to these verses and continue thinking about the cross. The cross is the singular message of all eternity. The Lord Jesus is the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. That's the cross. In time, the cross is the singular message of this book that we hold in our hands. The singular message to the people of this world. In Revelation chapter 5 and verse 6, John sees in glory a lamb as it had been slain. That's the cross. And so in eternity past, in time, in eternity future, the singular message in the mind of God is the cross. And so we can't talk about the cross too much or too often. Last week, in these verses, we saw the equality of the cross. And I'd like for us to think about that again as we begin this morning. I'd like for us to think about it by considering some words that are very familiar to us. Every year, I have the the joy of teaching the Constitution class. And every year we begin by studying the Declaration of Independence because, as Dr. David Gibbs, Jr. said, the Declaration of Independence is the why of American government. The Constitution is the how of American government. And before you can understand the how, You have to understand the why. And in studying the why of our government, we read those words from the Declaration. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. All men are created equal. We talk about those words, how they're true, how they're not true. All men are not the same size. I always hesitate to mention that. Some are short. Some are tall. All men don't have the same ability. Some can run very fast. Some can only walk slowly. Some can jump high. Some can't jump. Some have... Abilities in math and science, and others have abilities in English and language. All men don't have the same abilities. All men don't have the same outcomes in life. Outcomes in life are a direct result of choices in life. And you cannot dictate choices. So what are those words all men are created equal mean? Well, in our class, we talk about how they mean three things. And I believe that the founders of this nation understood these three things and may have even had them in mind. First of all, those words, all men are created equal, mean that all men are equally Created in the image of God. Genesis 1.27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And the founders acknowledged this. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. So those words, all men are created equal, acknowledge the truth that all men are created equally in the image of God. And then those words teach us that all men are equally sinful. And by the way, That why of the declaration is manifested in the how of the constitution of our government in the separation of powers. Because our founders believed that all men are created equally sinful, they set up a government to keep power out of the hands of one man or any small group of men. And then those words, all men are created equal, teach us that all men are equally loved of God. And so these words in the founding document of this country, all men are created equal, are critically important because they teach us, they point us to these three eternal truths, All men are created in the image of God. All men are equally sinful. All men are equally loved of God. And all three of these truths of equality are on display at the cross. At the cross, we see visibly, visibly, That all men are made in the image of God. I'd like for you to look in your mind's eye for just a minute. At the center cross there on Calvary. And who do we see? We see the Lord Jesus Christ. And who is the Lord Jesus? Well keep your place here. And turn over to Philippians chapter 2 for just a minute. Philippians chapter 2. Keep in mind that we are looking at the center cross. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Verse 8, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross notice those words who being in the form of god and being found in fashion as a man look over a couple of pages to colossians chapter 1 colossians chapter 1 and let's read beginning at verse 12 giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. Now notice the word son at the end of verse 13. Because now as we read these next verses, we're going to be reading about The Son. Verse 14. In whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Now look at verse 14. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? The image of the invisible God. Look over at Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1. God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in times past, Unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Notice verse three. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. So we are looking at the middle cross. And who do we see? We see the Lord Jesus Christ. And who is He? He's in the form of God. And what is the form of God? It is the fashion as a man. And we look at the Lord Jesus. We see that He is the image of the invisible God. We see that He is the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person. The Lord Jesus is God manifest in the flesh, made of a woman, made in the image of God. Now, in our mind's eye, look to the left and look to the right. And who do we see? We see these two men. And who do they look like? they look just like the one on the middle cross. They look just like God manifest in the flesh. Why? Because they were made in the image of God. Folks, the cross proves that all men are created equal. That all men are equally made In the image of God, just as Genesis 127 declares. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And that truth is displayed on the cross of Calvary. Now, instead of going back to Mark chapter 15, I'd like for us to go to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. The cross proves that all men are created equal, that all men are equally sinful. We see it in these two thieves who were crucified with the Lord Jesus. Both were thieves. Both of these men, at a point in the early part of the crucifixion, reviled the Lord Jesus. Just like the chief priests and the scribes and the elders and those that passed by the cross. There was no difference between these two men. As we mentioned last week, one was not more or less sinful than the other. They were both equally sinful. Just like all men. Just like you and me. Galatians 3 and verse 22. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin. All under sin. Romans chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The cross proves that all men are equally sinful. And then the cross proves that all men are created equal. That all men are equally loved by God. John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world, the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever, whosoever, that includes all. That word whosoever excludes no one. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, But God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says, He died for all. He died for all. Titus 2 and verse 11 says, That the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. 2 Peter 3 and verse 9, the Lord is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 1 John 2 and verse 2 tells us, and He, the Lord Jesus Christ, and He is the propitiation, the substitutionary sacrifice for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. First John 4 and verse 10. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. All men are created equal. All men are equally created in the image of God. That's visibly demonstrated on the cross. All men are equally sinful. That's visibly demonstrated on the cross. All men are equally loved of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And these other verses are visibly demonstrated on the cross. As love manifest in the flesh. The Lord Jesus Christ equally tastes death for every man. As God equally lays on him the iniquity of us all. As the Lord Jesus equally bears our sins in his own body on the tree, as he is equally made sin for us. This is the equality of the cross. And I find it summed up in those words from our founding document. All men are created equal. And then last week we saw the division of the cross. The cross of the Lord Jesus Christ divided these two thieves. It divided them between the one who rejected the message of salvation And the one who believed the message of salvation. The cross divides all of humanity. And it divides all of humanity into these two groups. The receivers and the rejecters of Christ. Those who believe in Jesus and those who believe not. At the end of the message last week, I asked a question. Which side of the middle cross? Which side of the cross of Christ are we on? The side of life or the side of death? This week, I thought about that question. And the first thought that came to mind in answer to that question is that the thief who rejected the Lord Jesus was on the death side of the cross. And the thief that accepted the Lord Jesus was on the life side of the cross. That's not right. That's not right. In fact, it is just the exact opposite. Keep your place here in Luke 23 and turn back a few pages to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. And look at verse 23. Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself And take up his cross daily and follow me. Verse 24. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. beside those words, you can write Luke 23 and verse 39. If you still got your finger there, let's look at it. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. This is the life side of the cross. This thief would not deny himself. This thief wanted to save his life, he wanted to live. He saw his life as worthy to be lived. He saw his life as just as worthy and just as important as the life of God. And so he sought to save his life. And who was the means for him saving his life? Christ! Christ was the means to the end of saving his life. How many people are doing exactly the same thing today? Christ is a means to an end and the end is so that they can continue to live their life and go their way but do it under this religious umbrella. That's what this thief did. This is the life side of the cross. And because he chose the life side of the cross, because he chose to save his life, he lost his life for all eternity. Now, look back again at Luke 9 and verse 24. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. Beside those words, you can write Luke chapter 23, verses 40 through 43. But the other, the other thief, the other malfactor, answered, rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation, and we indeed justly? For we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. This thief chose to deny himself. He chose to give up his life. This thief chose the death side of the cross. Death to himself. And all that he was. And his life was saved. By the life of Christ. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And notice the next thing that happens. Verse 44. And it was about the sixth hour. And there was a darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. The next thing that happened was three hours of darkness. When the Lord Jesus was forsaken by his Father. When the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. And at the end of those three hours, what did the Lord Jesus say? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Folks, those words never came out of the mouth of this thief who lost his life, who gave up his life, because his heart was broken and contrite. Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss, and his broken and his contrite heart is reflected in those words, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. This thief entered into the miracle of Calvary. How the Lord Jesus bore our sins in his own body and endured the eternal judgment of God that we deserve. The Lord Jesus spoke those words. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But not this thief. Because the Lord Jesus spoke them for him in his place. The other thief on the life side of the cross who wanted to save his life. The thief who lost his life because he wanted to save it and was not willing to take his place as a sinner has never ceased to cry those words. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The cross divides the saved from the, cross, from the lost. And so I would ask you again this morning, which side of the cross are you on? The life side? Refusing to deny yourself? Seeking to save your life and live your life and go your own way, which is the broad way that leadeth to destruction? are you on the death side of the cross? Because you've denied yourself and you've lost your life. Because you believe that you are condemned and indeed justly. And the due reward of your deeds is death. This thief believed that. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This man who hath done nothing amiss. This man who took all that you have done amiss. This man who took all of your sin and wickedness. Wicked is one of the meanings of that word amiss upon himself. That you might lose your life That you might have his life. Which side of the cross are you on this morning? You're on the life side. That's going to result in you losing your life. For all eternity. Whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Are you on the death side? On the death side, that will result in you saving your life. For whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. This morning, you can choose the death side of the cross. If you're willing to lose your life, if you're willing to take your place as a sinner worthy of death, condemned, And deservedly so. And call upon the Lord. For there is no difference. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can do that right now. Right where you are. And the Lord Jesus will give you his life as a free gift. If we're saved today, there's a verse that we mention often. And it's one of the most important verses in the Bible for those who know the Lord. It's Colossians 2.6. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. How did we receive Christ Jesus the Lord? We received him on the death side of the cross. By denying ourselves, by losing our life. That's how we're to walk in him. We are to live on the death side of the cross. Isn't that what Galatians 2.20 says? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That is the death side of the cross. Galatians 6, 14. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. That's the death side of the cross. The world is to be dead to us if we're saved. And we're to be dead to the world. But something that we need to remember this morning is that the cross not only divides the saved and the lost, the cross divides believers. The cross divides those who are saved. It divides believers from those who want to live on the life side of the cross and and have their own way and, and go their own way and do their own will. Divides them from those who want to live on the death side of the cross. Who want to live in the light of Galatians 2.20. Who want to live in the light of Galatians 6.14. I believe we have an example of what we're talking about here in the word of God. Demas was a young man who I believe knew the Lord a young man who was saved on the death side of the cross. And he was a young man who exhibited that. He was a young man who, as he had received Christ Jesus the Lord, so he walked in him. He lived on the death side of the cross. We see that in the book of Philemon in verse 24, where we read that Demas was one of Paul's fellow laborers. One of Paul's fellow laborers. We see it again in Colossians 4 and verse 14 where Paul sends greetings to the believers at Colossae. And who does he send those greetings from? He sends them from Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas. Demas. Demas was saved on the death side of the cross and Demas was living on the death side of the cross. But something happened. Something happened. And the cross divided Paul and Demas. 2 Timothy 4 in verse 10, Paul says, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. The cross divided Paul These two believers divided Paul who wanted to live on the death side of the cross whose testimony was God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world from Demas who no longer wanted the world to be crucified to him. Demas left the death side of the cross, began living for himself and the things of the world on the life side of the cross. We never hear about him again. We never hear about him again. The same thing can happen to you and me. That's why we need to think about the question. We know the Lord today, where are we living? Are we living unto ourselves on the life side of the cross or are we living unto him which died for us and rose again on the death side of the cross I hope we'll think about that question today which side of the cross whether you're saved this morning or whether you're lost which side of the cross let's look to the Lord in prayer Father, we pray that you would just take these words and make them a message to our heart. We thank you for the cross. The cross that is the focal point of all eternity. We thank you that on that cross, we see the Lord Jesus Christ taking our place. In giving his life and shedding his blood that we might be saved. Father, whether we're saved or lost this morning, we need to be on the death side of the cross. We pray that you would speak to our hearts about these things today. We ask it in Jesus' name.